show. <laughs> this is the third episode in a row, and I've already mentioned you. <laughs> was that that was oh that was the line. <laughs> that was that was the line. Oh, uh, <laughs> you, I figured we should just come and be explicit about it now because yeah, we've been plugging Boo Boo yeah. secretly this should, whole time. It's, I wouldn't even say secretly. Well, I right, would, it's but, secret to him because he doesn't know, but to everyone yeah. who listens, we know very well that. Boo Boo Stewart is absolutely <laughs> welcome to be a guest. As many times, it could be a podcast with Boo Boo Stewart. We could do. Yeah, it could be our third anchor. Yeah, we could do odd trilogies with Logan, Andy, and Boo Boo Stewart. We, are, we have to use his whole name. We, <laughs> Logan, Andy, and Boo Boo Stewart. We ourselves are an odd trilogy. <laughs> I can't. I just can't believe that was the the crease. That was the line that you wanted to open. That was that weapon. was your cold weapon. That was your cold open. Yep. And you just got like as soon as he said boo boo, it was like, what else is? And you just kept going. <laughs> oh Thanks yeah. For indulging me on that. Oh of course. But I wanted to bring up a Screen Rant. I got it like two thirty six. Google let me know that Screen Rant has done Bill and Ted all three movies ranked from worst to best. <laughs> <laughs> That's a what a substantial a sh- list. That yeah, would be. I was gonna say, what is that? Two paragraphs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I guess, I guess we should face the music and talk about uh, what today is. It's time. Be. Uh, hello, this is Odd Trilogies with Logan and Andy. I'm Logan Sowash. I'm Andy Carr. <laughs> And that's the first time I think I've said the full title. This oh, is like, probably, I've been just yeah. saying Odd Trilogies because. I mean, it makes sense regardless, but it was like, last time I was like, damn, that is right. It's We made it Odd Trilogies with Logan and Andy, and yet I've not been saying it fully. <laughs> but uh, yes, Odd Trilogies with Logan and Andy. Uh, the whole premise of the podcast is to take a trio of films and talk mm-hmm. about whether they're connected by number, similar cast and crew, or just thematic elements. Talk about them as a group and just how weird they are singularly. And today, we're finishing our first trilogy. Do you want to mm-hmm. talk about that? Yeah, we're wrapping up the Bill and Ted trilogy with the newly released Bill and Ted Face the Music. Mm-hmm. A, uh, a third film in the series released, what, almost 30 years after the second film of the trilogy? Yeah, Bogus Journey was 91, so almost 30 Almost years. 30 years, mm-hmm. yeah. But so, I think most people I think most people just say it's been 30 years, because yeah, technically... Approximate. It, you round up at that point. <laughs> but yeah, it's the, uh, it's the final film of the trilogy, and it's also the most recent film we'll be doing, yeah. <laughs> probably this year. Yeah, at least for a while, yeah. Yeah, at least for a while, because it literally just came out. We yeah. just saw it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're still thinking about what our thoughts are on it, but we still have we have a decent idea of how we both feel. Yeah. We, we, we talked about it before the mic was on when we got lunch. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, podcast in one sentence, it's a Bill and Ted movie. Yeah. It's, it's, if yeah. you want a Bill and Ted movie, it's a Bill and Ted movie. Yeah, we, we, will, we are probably not going to have a long episode on this one because it's yeah. so... So new that we don't really want to spoil everything. Because right. at least with Bogus Journey and Excellent Adventure, <laughs> even if you haven't seen those two films, the way that we describe it is not enough. You have to visually see yeah, what's yeah. happening. 
But with this one, we could probably, if we spoiled it, it would it would kind of take away the magic of just like sitting down yeah. and being like, oh my god, this is a Bill and Ted film in 2020. Yeah, it, it's a trilogy capper, you know. It's bringing a lot of things home, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of things, you know, being brought back or resolved or mm-hmm. whatever. And Not Station. I will say <laughs> that. If you are a big Station fan, there is a reference, but no Station. Yeah. And that's fine. I get it. He's too he's too wild and crazy for the kids out there. I mean, I can, can you imagine modern day kids seeing station? Oh, no. <laughs> they they couldn't afford the CGI station. Uh, thank God they couldn't. Yeah, because uh, that would have been disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would love to see the fur effects on CG station. Oh. <laughs> Flexible pores. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh God! But yeah, so Bill and Ted face the music is. I think it did well over the weekend. Yeah, I, I haven't really looked at numbers. I, I, uh, Bill, I know New Mutants won, technically. Yeah. In this day and age, quote-unquote, won the box office really isn't anything but <laughs> right, right. survived saw, a weekend. I saw a, a commercial the other day for Unhinged, the number one movie in the world. Oh, and I, I was love, like, oh, yes. This is the time to, to mm-hmm. blast that as your your banner yeah. cry. You should have a asterisk next to that. It's like... <laughs> If you count, you know, number one <laughs> what's movie happening. during the pandemic. It should be number one film <laughs> over the weekend, asterisk, during this hellscape of yeah, the year. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah, no, I also think uh, Face the Music, they were not pushing the theatrical release as hard as, like, New Mutants, because, I mean, at least yeah. locally for us, a lot of theaters mm-hmm. weren't even showing Bill and Ted. Yeah. Uh, most of them were showing New Mutants. But, mm-hmm. um, so, so Bill and Ted will hopefully be getting more money. Uh, at home, I think so too. Yeah, let's, I mean, I guess they would, they would just have to face it at a, at a point where like they would love it to be in theaters. Like it's going to yeah, be. Sure. I think they announced that the UK release is mid September, so the okay. UK is getting it in cinemas. Okay, but I think uh, considering Bill and Ted as a fan base, uh, or about their fans and just how Bill and Ted can work without it being outside of a th- like being in, outside of a theater, I think it was just like. It's probably better to be safe in this scenario. Yeah. So it's like, well, yeah, and and no knock to this movie, but like, this isn't one you really need the theater experience for. I mean, no, yeah, you can get everything you need out of it at yeah. home. It's very and, enjoyable, probably in theaters. Oh yeah, it's, I'm, it's I'm very sure enjoyable at home. But like, yeah, I'm sure you you get you know if you especially if you have a crowd and you know people can play off the laughs and stuff that mm-hmm. that would be great. But like, it's not you know it's not your IMAX special effects heavy, yeah. you know, gorgeous yeah. spectacle or whatever. Keanu, Alex, and the writers are not forcing Orion to wait until <laughs> theaters are better to so they could show the yeah. majesty of face the music and the big screen. Like <laughs> they don't have that Christopher Nolan pull. No, 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 no. I mean, who does really? Yeah. I mean, we're probably going to see Tenet this weekend solely because <laughs> <laughs> well, there's nothing else we can do, but we have to see it because Nolan is putting a gun to. <laughs> Yeah, he's not going to let us watch it at home. <laughs> no, I was like, no, you monsters. Yeah. <laughs> See it in IMAX with all your closest friends in masks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it is it is a Bill and Ted film, yeah. through and through. And that's, it is... that's a compliment, absolutely a compliment. You oh, know, yeah. In, in a world where, you know, years later sequels mm-hmm. like this can so often tend to be like a product of studio desperation. Oh, of God, like, yeah. oh, we have no idea what to do. Let's pump out. A, another movie in this dead franchise. 
this was kind of the opposite situation where the, mm-hmm. the writers and Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves were trying to get this movie made for years. Like almost a decade, if not a little over yeah, a decade. Yeah, and so you, you can really see the passion in it. Yeah, what's, cr- um, what's crazy about this, is, especially with Bill and Ted, is that every single film they've made, they've never had real studio involvement, or at least studio love for the idea. Not a ton of support. Yeah, yeah, not a lot of support. So, like, the reason why this film works so well is because this isn't trying to be a cash grab. This isn't trying to set up a passing of the torch for new characters to do a new Bill and Ted series. Right. This is literally happening because the writers, Alex Winter and Keanu, had an idea that they wanted to do, yeah, and, and they succeeded. And yeah, finally the planets aligned, and yeah. they were able to make the movie they've been trying to make. And while it's very obvious uh, they didn't have a budget to do another <laughs> bogus journey thing, nor were they trying to do another bogus journey like let's just try all the creative crazy things that we want to do. Yeah, it's still a solid finale per se to what's probably going to be the last one because it it feels I would like imagine. yeah, because it's at at this point I think they're. They would love to do more, but at the same time, yeah. I think the older they've gotten, the more cynical they've gotten in terms of like, well, older well, studios ten years from now even want another yeah. one. Like it's well, and it's it, the it ends the franchise not just story wise, but the the property in general in a good place. In that, you know, I would welcome another Bill and Ted were they ever given the money to make it. Yeah, oh, uh, but they put yeah. it at a place where it's like, you know, this is fine. I'm good being done here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sick of it. I'm not you yeah, know, longing for more. Again, that's but... what's that's what's so great is Keanu is entirely fine in his place right now in the world, <laughs> yeah. being John Wick. Yeah, uh, Alex Winter has been working as a filmmaker for the last. 20 if not more years yeah he's been keeping himself like, busy i think his ways. i think his last starring role was like in the early 90s for a passion project that flopped yeah uh, was that freaked? <clears throat> i think it was freaked yeah. but like after that i think he just like delved deep into the behind the scenes and became more of a filmmaker and i think mm-hmm. is more sad i mean he's satisfied with that but then you watch face the music and you see like he's always willing to come back to this character and yeah. give 110 percent. oh yeah he's honestly maybe the kind of the the hero of mm-hmm. this film. He's just glowing with that mm-hmm. Bill energy. And I guess if, if we're talking about this film as if it's going to be the final one, we should probably explain as to why we feel that way. Because the plot itself feels very much like this is probably the, this is yeah. the last adventure. That there is a finality to it. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a kind of, you know, a completion of, or a fulfillment of yeah. destiny yeah. in a way. So, yeah, so Excellent Adventure, it was they had to pass their history exam, or their, their history <laughs> final. In Bogus Journey, they had to make, they had to win San Dimas Battle of the Bands because it's a concert that apparently unites everyone together. Yeah. And then in Face the Music, the big conflict is that uh, Bogus Journey did not, that concert did not unite, unite everybody. Forward. They actually become has-beens in their own yeah. industry. And then the future basically tells them, like, you only have, didn't they say, like, when they bring him to the future, they're like, Bill and Ted, you only have 77 minutes to make the song that'll <laughs> yeah. unite the world. Yeah, there's, uh, there's kind of this sense um, when, when we talk to characters from the future in Face the Music, there's kind of this sense that almost in the future they're looking back through history, through a frosted lens, and they can't really tell yeah. uh, how things happen, how their society comes into place, and how Bill and Ted save the universe. Um, so it's kind of a guessing game, and they're they're trying to put pieces in the right place. That's why they have to 
you know, in the Exelon Adventure, uh, finish their history report. That's why in Bogus Journey they have to do this concert because they know certain pieces have to be in place, but we're not really sure what is exactly the moment where the universe mm-hmm. gets saved. Yeah, I, I think the best part, or one of the best parts about Face Music is it doesn't feel like a retcon at all to Bogus mm-hmm. Journey. It's not saying that they were wrong, that they like that they didn't unite anyone at that time. They they definitely did. They were a big hit. They say right. I think in the film they say they did a concert in '95 at the Grand Canyon. Yeah, and that was supposed to be to like, like hundreds of thousands of people yeah, or something. That was supposed to be the pivotal moment, and it just didn't become the pivotal moment. Yeah, no one knows why. They thought at the time it was the pivotal moment because Wild Stallions, their band skyrockets takes off from that point mm-hmm. becomes this worldwide sensation mm-hmm. and then kind of at the beginning of face the music they explain that their success is short-lived yeah. and they fall back down the totem pole they into s- uh, obscurity yeah they assume they wrote the song that will unite the universe but it doesn't end up being that way it's yeah. still a hit but it doesn't end up being the hit yeah so they end up trying to basically in their career force any type of option Mm-hmm. Which is like one of the one of the best moments is we see Bill and Ted in the beginning of the film uh, as wedding as like a wedding band yeah for a Bill Ted's little brother's Deacon's wedding yeah and uh, again like I said in the last two episodes they use this time to bring back the best reoccurring joke <laughs> in the entire series which Missy is still around yeah. but this time she's divorced Ted's dad and is now marrying Ted's brother Deacon, who yeah. is now played by SNL's Beck Bennett. <laughs> this is the same baby brother Deacon who was forced to babysit um, Napoleon, Napoleon in Excellent Adventure, and now he is marrying uh, Missy, who was married to Bill's dad. Yeah, there's like and a... Then Ted's dad. There's a very big <laughs> gap in age. Yeah. Uh, to the point where, like, they, they legitimately push the joke to the point where it could be creepy. Yeah. But they use that to their advantage to make it even funnier. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, and I love in this, there is a, there is, the joke has aged with the characters because, you know, in the first two movies, it's always them commenting on Missy kind of jumping around in their family Family. relationally it's always followed up with this like you know ah but she's so hot i wish you know Mm -hmm. she wasn't part of the family so then yeah yeah yeah, yeah. maybe we'd have a chance but now it's like they're not you know there's not this sexual charge to their comments it's just kind of like she's a part of the family they've been married men for nearly 30 years (laughs) (laughs) so it's like at this point it'd be really weird if they had that it would be creepy but there was that great line where bill and ted go through what that would make missy in their in their like respective families (laughs) and it was like it got to the point i don't remember what the logic is or like what the family tree is supposed to look like but i remember deacon giving like a hearty laugh and then ted's dad captain logan just like looks disgusted by yeah. this conversation. I think at one point Bill or Ted says something like, and Ted's dad is now his own son. <laughs> like, yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> All because of uh, Missy hopping around. But it's it's great because it just goes right into it. It just yeah. like it the beginning prologue is basically their daughters, Billy and Thea, mm-hmm. basically talking about like this is where our dads went between Bogus Journey and now and instead of like doing something like cheeky like try to you know oh the comics are canon or something like that they instead go for almost like the darkest point of the film which mm-hmm. is just like their 
fall. Their rise and fall. Yeah. Like, you don't see that, which is fine because there's definitely enough emotional moments of just, like, them feeling like they're failures later yeah. on. But, like, it's... They do yeah. that, and then we get right into the wedding, and the wedding is just, like, outright funny. Like, the writing is oh. just very funny throughout that the whole movie. That scene might be the, like, in terms of, like, laughs per minute, the yeah. funniest part in the film. If you ever wanted to see Keanu Reeves play a pheromone and then a trumpet... <laughs> With gusto. Then, yes. Just, uh. Like, what's one, of the, what's one of the funny like funny jokes that are very subtle is to a degree where it's like, they are now, Bill and Ted are not idiots who do not how to play music. Oh, they literally know how to play multiple instruments and yet it's still not good enough <laughs> to save the yeah. universe. Well, they're, it's, it's clear that they've spent so many years trying to, at least on a technical level, master... The craft of all of these different instruments. They yeah. they know you know all these obscure instruments, and there's a sense of like they're just kind of grasping at straws. They're trying to mm-hmm. find any instrument or musical influence they can to put together this song that'll save the world, yeah. and they just can't do it. They can't they mm-hmm. can't write a good song to save their life at this yeah. point. And so um, the song is experimental. No one likes it. They find out through their wives that they're having marital issues, which yeah. they just never underst- They never thought of. Mm-hmm. And now they're at a point in their lives where, like, Ted's even thinking about, like, quitting the band because he just feels like they're so old and tired, there's yeah. no way they're going to do it. And then in classic Bill and Ted fashion, as soon as they're at their lowest, uh, Kelly, Rufus's daughter, played by yeah. Christian Shaw, which is a wonderful nod to both Carlin's actual daughter, who apparently is in the film as, like, I think, head technician. She's like, oh, one of the background yeah. characters. But they, uh, but having Rufus in some way, shape, or form in the film by having his daughter, yeah, which is also a great thematic element of also having like the daughter of Rufus end up at one point helping their mm-hmm. daughters in some way, and basically Kelly is one of the, is the only person in the future who still believes in them, yeah, uh, and then like everyone else thinks like Rufus was like they're now doubting Rufus in his love for Wild Stallions, right, thinking that yeah. he was wrong because I guess it was always Rufus prophesying yeah. that, that mm-hmm. Bill and Ted were the ones who were going to save the world now that he's long gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are, and, and, and Bill and Ted in their current timeline or current state in time mm-hmm. still haven't written the song they were supposed to. Now everybody's starting to be like, well, is the prophecy really yeah. true? And so the, the big thing that Bill and Ted, uh, their whole big conflict is trying to write the song. Mm-hmm. However, in classic Bill and Ted fashion, Similar to the first film, instead of, like, going back in time, asking questions, you know, doing this thing, and face the music, instead of trying to write the song using their own personal experiences, they instead decide to travel into their futures to try and steal the song from themselves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so we see their whole plot line is basically going through two years in the future, five years in the future, yeah. ten years in the future. and they Forward keep, in time incrementally. Yeah. And so they meet different versions of themselves at different points in their lives. You know, wacky antics ensue. It's a Bill and Ted film. Mm-hmm. In, a, in a good and bad way. <laughs> in that kind of situation. And well, at this, Yeah, um, and, I, and I think it's a kind of actually a really cool way of carrying on kind of the legacy of the first two movies where it's, it's always Bill and Ted versus themselves. Yes, that's, um, the, that's one of the great I mean, in parts, the, in too. the second movie, it's... You know, more literal because yeah. they're fighting evil robot yeah. versions of themselves. But even in this film, it's still literal too because they're going up against right. their older they, versions. They're going into the future and they're <laughs> yeah. fighting, or not necessarily fighting, but mm-hmm. you know, yeah, they're clashing. The with obstacles them. Yeah. in their path are themselves from the future because the the future versions uh, are more desperate to yeah. save the universe than they are, and they they were like, "No way, man! We have to do it ourselves." Yeah. 
instead of trying to steal from other from other stuff. And so that's the A plot. Yes. The B plot, which is also just incredibly fun, and we won't say too much about it because there's just a lot of good gags that aren't in the trailers. But basically, Billy and Thea, their daughters, see them get taken into the future, and they think they're in trouble. Mm-hmm. And then they run into Kelly... And they use Kelly's time machine to basically do exactly what their dads did in Excellent Adventure. Yeah. But instead of getting just random historical figures, they're getting historical musical figures. Right. To make a band that is, a, like, equal to their father's talent. Yeah. And well, they're yeah, essentially yeah. trying to make a mega band yeah. from all the The best time. band ever. Yeah. And, like, you get... I think in the trailer you see like they they get Mozart, Mozart. They get they get all these different people and it's just a blast to watch because yes, it is excellent adventure again, but these characters are different enough while also being very familiar enough yeah. that it's just fun and it's also not just retreading. Cuz I think one of the best parts about Face the Music is unlike Bogus Journey, which is one of its biggest shortcomings, is bringing back nearly every single best joke in that film mm-hmm. and redoing it but not as good. Face the music when it brings back a joke that's in the series. There is great. There, there's some great moments that come out of it. Like the Missy yeah. joke is the most blatant, and it's hilarious right. from that point. Like there is, there is a version in this film of the like, wait, we should go when we get back into the future. Like they try to do like the whole planning thing using oh, the time plan ahead. Yeah, and, yeah but yeah. they do a complete subversion of that. <laughs> To like thwart one of their future selves, and it's so right. Yeah, it's so funny. They use their own logic it's, it's, against themselves. Yeah, it's equally stupid and ingenious, <laughs> like ingenious, and just like how it yeah. does. In, that. in classic Bill and Ted fa- fa- in classic Bill and Ted fashion, <laughs> there's some of those moments where they, if you were to break it down, it's not going to make any sense, mm-hmm. and they know that, and they kind of just gloss over that, and it's mm-hmm. it. A lot of times works in their favor. There's a couple times in this movie where the kind of absurd time travel loopholes and lack of logic yeah. almost kind of jumps the shark or breaks the, yeah. the suspension of disbelief. This is this is the only film in the series where the, the time travel is bothersome at times. Yeah, it, they like, get, they're yeah. kind of just weaving over themselves so many mm-hmm. times that it's like, okay, wait, yeah. but shouldn't so-and-so know this is going to mm-hmm. happen and blah, blah, blah. Like, and the, like the logic and Bogus during Excellent Adventure is also, you could poke holes into it. Right. But they commit to it so much, and it's not really that big of a deal it's in also, the plot that like it's fine. It's also, in the first two films, almost completely, or almost always played for a joke. Yeah. Like, the lack of logic in the time travel is used as a mm-hmm. device to let Bill and Ted yeah. do something funny yeah. and awesome. And it's, it's even funnier because you have two characters who are, even if they, they would never, they would never see that. They would never yeah. poke holes into that because they're not smart <laughs> enough to think about, like, well, this doesn't make yeah. any sense. Like, and, in, and in this, there's a couple, in, there, there is that, like, like when they kind of use their own time travel planning logic against themselves to escape yeah that's, um, that's cute that's, that's, that's a fun are, moment that's but there fresh. are other moments where it's it just kind of feels like it's trying to move the plot along without getting people without you know asking yeah. too many questions and it's like okay well this is kind of taking a little bit of the like the a, a big out of it. a big part of those first two films and why those uh, shortcomings or like those plot holes per se Holes in logic aren't as noticeable is because you don't have multiple characters adding like information or questioning it, yeah. As much it's as this really film, just yeah. Bill and Ted mm-hmm. in the in the first two films is really yeah. just Bill and Ted exploiting yeah. time travel logic on their own. Like it's just Rufus in the original film who basically tells them like, 
San Dimas' time is still going on while you're going back in time. Yeah, so he establishes sure a rule. Yeah, just a rule. And then, in, and then in Bill and Ted Bogus Journey, they never explain how how Station can get out of heaven and show up exactly where Bill and Ted are. <laughs> but you just go, oh, death brought them there. Like it yeah, doesn't like yeah, really yeah, yeah. matter. Like it's like it's already wacky enough that we're seeing two hairy potato like like alien things walk yeah. around that it's like it doesn't that part really is not the issue <laughs> yeah. but in this film we get based the music we get a lot more of the future than we have in the previous two films and then it seems like every time there's a future scene they're adding more like lore or yeah. like in terms of like what the time the time is supposed to be and like it almost it's hard not to poke a hole when you're like excuse right. me hold on, why Why are you doing this? Yeah. Like, again, it's not super glaring. Like, again, this movie yeah, is still really good. It doesn't good. break the movie by any means. Yeah, it's a solid finale, like, through and through. Like, I I was having a good time throughout. Like, I mean, I was grinning like an idiot at the beginning because <laughs> the first act is just a blast without yeah. it being super nostalgic or without being super pandering. I would say the first act is the best yeah. part of the movie. The first act is great because you get great moments mm-hmm. with... Like, you even get, like, a good moment with the princesses who have oh, very no. little to do in the first two films. Yeah. You get a great moments with Billy and Thea. You get great moments to see, I mean, seeing Deacon again. I was I was wondering, yeah. like, are we even going to see Deacon again? Because Deacon's not in Bogus Journey. <laughs> well, and I don't know if we want to spoil it, but the casting for Deacon is pretty great. Oh, I already, I already said oh, it. Oh, did you? Yeah. It's, oh, okay. Sorry, yeah, it's Beck Bennett from SNL. Yeah, Beck Bennett. And he's uh, just perfect for it and he doesn't oh, have yeah. a ton to do it's no, not like he's stealing the show or anything but it's like but it's really? what's, what's this yeah. guy doing here yeah this is great it does not it would not surprise me if he's a fan and yeah it's oh, yeah. like we need somebody who's funny and also likes the series yeah, and, and he's I, like getting up in his seat and raising his hand here pick me pick me yeah please let me in this yeah. <laughs> um, um but i mean there's just all across the board like the cast is great yeah. I don't think there's anyone like I don't think there's anyone that's too bad. Or like, I don't think there's anyone that's really there's bad. There's not really anybody the... where no, I'm no, like, yeah. ugh, this was a bad pick. It all yeah. works. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, we we get a nice, and this is not spoilers because he's in the trailer, but a Kid Cudi is great. Kid, Kid Cudi plays Kid Cudi in this film, and we won't say what his purpose is, but his purpose is not at all what we expected. Yeah, it's weird he, in the best way for Kid Cudi, I He would ends say. up being a lot more important than I would have expected from the trailer. It feels like a nice mix with actual Kid Cudi and comedy bang-bang Kid Cudi. When he was on there, it's like <laughs> yeah, the yeah. pen lead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when they're still doing the show. Like, it's like he's... He's just rolling with the punches of how weird yeah. everything is. It's clear he just he showed up on set and was like, "I'm just gonna roll with mm-hmm. this Bill and Ted vibe and just mm-hmm. go with what they give me, and it works." It's, and also, it's funny. A crazy fact about this film too, and it's you can tell, especially when you watch this film, they actually had a quantum physicist help them with the <laughs> logic with certain things on how to like, because in the film it's like. They're trying to make sure reality doesn't destroy itself. Yeah, it kind like of, it's not a it's the, not the, a timeline. It's not like the threat kind Earth. of graduates. Yeah, in this it it goes from you have to you have to ensure that the future we have is the future that actually plays out. Yeah. It's now all of reality is collapsing. Yeah, <laughs> you have to keep it in balance. I think there's a line. I, I don't know if they ask the council this or if they ask Kelly this, but I think Ted Ted or Bill goes like. Well, what happens at seven eighteen? And it's like, boys, if you don't make the song by seven seventeen, there is no seven eighteen. Yeah. Where it's like pretty clear that like everything's dead. 
Like yeah. nothing exists. Multiverse stuff, alternate timelines, yeah, past, and, future, present. It's all just gonna go away. And it's very vague as to why that is happening or why why the threat it's is now Bill and looming. Because it's, it's Bill and Ted. It is because it's Bill and Ted. Because it's Bill and Ted. That's really all it is. It was kind of when we were watching my. I mean, I think my jaw dropped a little bit when when they first go to see the the future high council or whatever they are and. They're like, yeah, you have seventy-seven minutes before reality yeah. ceases to exist. We were, I was just like, hold up, wait, what? Yeah, I thought it was a joke. I literally thought when they said they had seventy-seven minutes, I thought the song was supposed to be seventy-seven minutes. Yeah. So I thought it was supposed to be like this, like free bird times seventy, like this crazy yeah. song that's like it's it's constantly battling with reality, trying to destroy itself. And then <laughs> yeah. I was like. But then, like, at one point they go, we only have 72 minutes left. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's actually 77 minutes to solve. Like, <laughs> and then that's when you go, why didn't they just get them a day before? <laughs> what I'm wondering, is like it? That. No, there's no way they could have planned that. I was going to say, is is the 77 minutes the actual real remaining time in the movie when they say that? Because it's a 92-minute film. <laughs> it could be, I, but I don't know how they pulled that off. Well, the film is ninety-two minutes, right? So it could, but, it, but it's, they, they don't go to the that future would, and get that ultimatum yes, until that would be a cheeky several thing. minutes into the that movie. That would be cheeky because I think they're. That's what I immediately thought was like, yeah. oh, the rest of this movie is in real time. Yeah, that's wild. But it, but it really isn't at the same time. It's like yeah. very weird. Well, yeah, in terms of the stuff they get done, and yeah. accomplished, there's yeah. no way it's in real time. Yeah. But in terms of, I don't know, I would have to double check, I guess, yeah, I think the runtime might actually be, might actually add No, up. yeah, because I think the first time they jump into the future, that's when it hits 30 minutes. I think that's when it, so I think yeah. it could, it could be, it could have, well, no, if it's 77 minutes, that's Oh, you mean when long. they go to, go to meet themselves? Yes. It's like, that's like the half, that's yeah. like the quarter way. Because, right. um, again, that, that would be cheeky. <laughs> and it wouldn't fix a lot of this, but it would be a nice little, it'd be a nice little thing. Yeah, of like, if if that, and I, I say this with a big if because we don't even know if that's actually what what happened. But if that is real time remaining runtime, that seventy seven minutes, um, that might explain a lot of the kind of patchy editing in spots, especially yeah, toward the end of the film. Yeah, it's uh, if there's one thing this film is. It definitely has over bogus journeys that it doesn't slack, oh, but yeah. at the same time, the reason why it doesn't is because it's constantly rushing to the end. Yeah, there's so much they're trying to fit into there's this movie. There's so much to pack, and most of it, like, I there's not really a, a single you know mm-hmm. plot line or element that I would specifically want to pluck out of there in order to give more time to everything else. It's all welcome. Yeah, storyline. There, there, um, there is one we we did talk about. There is a subplot. Oh, yeah, with, yeah, yeah. with the princesses that does feel it fe- cut down. It feels <laughs> like they shot a C plot. So there's there's a plot, Bill and Ted, B plot, Billy, Billy and Thea, Thea, C plot with the princesses. That's kind of going on the whole time, but we never actually see it. Yeah, they they periodically pop back in and kind of we get mm-hmm. updated on where they're at. Yeah, um, but we never really get. <laughs> to see what they're doing and so yeah. it feels a little bit like were all of their scenes just cut out or something no no um, that was my phone <laughs> but uh yeah no I, it's definitely a, a stuffed and rushed and a little bit discombobulated film and there are mm-hmm. moments 
throughout. It's it's not pervasive like every scene or anything, but certain sections of the movie feel very kind of chopped together or almost abbreviated to where it's like I feel like they're cutting out you know precious seconds of this scene to kind of fit more yeah. stuff in. So I mean, like the tight ninety runtime is very <laughs> nice. It's of course it's. I, I enjoy the fact that the all three films, regardless of the era, still keep 90 <laughs> yeah. to 90, a little over 90 minutes. Yeah. But at the same time, this has led to a finale in this film that, again, works. It's a nice send-off to the characters and to the franchise, but it could be better. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. like, like, in that in that moment, like, because, like, in that, at the end, you get, like, what the princess thing is supposed to mean, and it feels very, like... Oh, is that really what it's supposed to mean? Yeah. Is that, is that, like, is that what you've really been telling me? And... The, the ending or the kind of finale is what ends up getting sort of the short end of the stick as a result mm-hmm. of yes. being stuffed in the middle. Um, yeah. And the middle is great. I mean, I, I really enjoyed I enjoyed the whole thing. But like, yeah. really the part where I was starting to be like, ah, I feel like this could be a little more polished up was really just kind of the finale. Yeah. Um, that's, because that's... they're kind of bringing a lot of things together in a very short amount of time. And you get a lot of good little emotional beats for mm-hmm. different characters, um, but they're just they just feel a little bit too pared down to where it's like I wish you could let some of these moments breathe a little bit. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like there are good emotional moments through the film mm-hmm. that I personally really enjoyed. Yeah, but unlike the first two films, where it feels like we definitely got those moments at a time to breathe, whether it's like as an epilogue or whether it's like. In, in between, like, a certain yeah, moment. A where down to, scene or yeah, something. Yeah, like, those scenes in this film are still, like, it's like they're trying to do emotional moments while still on a roller coaster. While still keeping the momentum. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, like, we, but they still, they, they still work, but without that much breathing room, there could have been, they could have been better yeah. in that scenario. And I don't think either of us would have minded, you know, Ditching the tight ninety for a, a tight hour forty or a tight yeah hour, yeah it's, you know, 45. but it's it's obvious that like the tight ninety is also because like <laughs> they're already been. on a tight budget yeah you know they the less time they have to worry about it the better they can just kind of figure out how to make it work yeah. and out but like at the same time yeah I agree I honestly could have watched a two hour Bill and Ted film it's mm-hmm. not exactly what I would want initially because I love the tight ninety sure but if it's if it's better for Face the Music to be closer to one hundred twenty minutes. I I think like that's good for a film. Like a yeah, film needs that. especially if you have this much good to throw at it. I mean, oh, there God, there are yeah. a lot of good ideas in this movie that are as they are. They're executed pretty well and mm-hmm. written well. They just need a little more time. And Absolutely, I would have gladly sat for another fifteen twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. But um, but mm-hmm. yeah, it, overall the the feel is there. The the Bill and Ted legacy, the spirit is all there true to form yeah um and, and it's and i and i think the one thing that's i mean for me personally it's just like as much as i have been like issues with face the music and while i personally think it's probably my least favorite hmm. which is not a bad thing again sure. pretty good film uh enjoyable but also i just love bogus journey a little bit more than this just because of yeah. just how over the top and bonkers and how it commits to some really cool ideas uh face the music just is already great on its own because it already feels unique to itself. It yeah. It does have watered down ideas from the first two films, but that doesn't mean the entire film is like that. Right, and it's and merging it's, those yeah. ideas in kind of a new way or re recontextualizing yeah. a lot of it. And, and it's, it, it is a surprisingly yeah. smart 
kind of conclusion yeah. conclusion slash tribute mm-hmm. uh, without dipping too heavily into the nostalgia pool. Yeah, like one of the best elements that like isn't really talked about in the first two movies, but like the most recent comics run is really talked about is like how much pressure it is to be told you're going to save the universe, but you have yeah. no idea what that means. And in Face of Music is like the first time they've truly like delved into it a little bit deeper because mm-hmm. like they are now in their 50s, I believe. <laughs> yeah. Are they both in their 50s? I think so. And uh, they just feel so tired. Like, it's yeah. it's one scene where we get Ted kind of be honest about it. But, like, Ted's like, I'm just tired, man. Yeah. Like, it's it's hard to do this for so many years and be told by the future, like, you're going to be great. And then you end up not being as great as you thought you'd be. Like, yeah. In the, because like it is, it's interesting too. Just You're like a disappointment, yeah, to everyone. Because <laughs> like, because that's one thing too. Is like the comics have the ability to like keep the series consistently in the nineties. Yeah, like because like the comic book series takes place the first story literally right after Bogus Journey, mm-hmm. and the last story takes place in ninety four. Okay, and then and so it's like they have that option, but they can't do that for films. So what do they do? They do an option that I think is genuinely interesting to the characters without like threatening like yeah. the the goodness of the like the genuine era like the genuine feel of the characters right like there are still moments in this film where it's like i think if anyone else was writing this they would have probably made bill and ted worse yeah they would have hand uh, it yeah. or cheapened it but and... since we have keanu we have alex we have chris matheson, matheson and, and solomon, solomon back they all love these characters and know how these characters at this point spiritually would feel at this point yeah. in their lives that they can have great emotional moments even though the story is like at a breakneck pace to the right, end yeah the the core of the characters is yeah. preserved and evolved and yeah uh you know kind of mm-hmm. built upon in rewarding ways uh yeah i mean even down to like the difference in the roles bill and ted and kind of respectively alex and keanu play in the film mm-hmm. bill or sorry, Alex Winter as Bill has the classic Bill like wide eyes, yeah. bright, enthusiastic energy. It's kind of incredible how much enthusiasm he has in his performance yeah. coming back. Um, Keanu Reeves, and this is not a knock to him uh, because it's built into his character, is getting a lot more of the kind of fatigue yeah. in his character, and I don't think that's Keanu's perform I don't think that's Keanu like being unable to perform I think it's him yeah. performing the new Ted and mm-hmm. Ted is kind of the more world weary one yeah um and he has a few more just like in the first two films he has a few more like introspective moments mm-hmm. where he's talking to himself yeah literally he's talking mm-hmm. to future versions of himself and yes he has this conflict with these mm-hmm. future versions of himself that he has to reconcile yeah like the future when they meet start meeting their future versions like bill just like kind of accepts that's not them yet yeah so like it could always be changed but ted's always kind of hurt when he sees like a version <laughs> of himself he doesn't like yeah and uh yeah because like that's that's what's so great too is like bill is still the straight man He's the one who keeps the plot going and has mainly the, or like he takes the ideas that Ted doesn't understand are like the best ideas because Ted basically comes up with the steal, steal the song from themselves. And it's Bill who's like, we could do this. This is how we do it. Yeah. Uh, Bill is the kind of the movement. Yeah. And Ted is the ebb and flow. Yes. And it's, and they're, and they're great. And 
uh, William Sadler's back is death. Yeah. And it's wonderful to see him because uh, they have a reason as to why he left the band. <laughs> and it's it's genuinely hilarious. It still fits with their version of death. And when they meet together, it is just a, a genuine blast as a fan of the first two films. Just seeing them work so well. Yeah. <laughs> and it is, without getting too much into the details of that, it is... It's a bitter reunion at first because, as we know from the end of Bogus Journey, death is part of Wild Stallions. Yeah. And we here in Face the Music figure out why death isn't around anymore yeah. and why they have to go have a conversation with death. Yeah, at the end uh, of Bogus Journey, they, they imply, they, they flat out say that death leaves to create a solo career. Yeah. But they don't explain as to what that solo career entails yeah. until this film, and it's wonderful yeah. what they... Um, but yeah, it's just a, it's just a very solid, fun film Yeah, that like, I'm glad that I now have. <laughs> so like, if I, I, like, again, I don't think this will be like, if I want to watch a Bill and Ted film, I'll probably just watch Excellent Adventure yeah. and then maybe Bogus Journey, but yeah. I've seen Excellent Adventure too many times. And then this one, but like, yeah. this one's just like super easy to watch. Mm-hmm. And also, and I think it's, it's been said a lot, especially from critics uh, this film doesn't feel like it fits in 2020 because yeah. it's so optimistic. Yeah, it's just a and, very idealistic. Yeah, and it and it feels wholesome movie. It's so nice yeah. and optimistic and wholesome, and it feels like what, what? is yeah. like this is this is the year that feels perfect for a film like this because it kind of it takes it takes the weight off your shoulders if you have a lot of stress because of this year yeah. for about 90 minutes. It's just very well, and even I mean. Probably the most cynical character from the first two movies, um, Chief Logan, Ted's dad, yeah. he ends up kind of having an arc in this where mm-hmm. it, that ends up feeling really wholesome. And it's kind yeah. of like they're just, they want to finish it off as positively yeah. as they can. And they're they're moving everything into a state mm-hmm. of kind of idealism and optimism. And that feels really nice in a movie, um, especially right now. His arc is very short in Face the Music, but it's because it's more impactful if you... If you just remember how he was like in the last two films, yeah, where it was like he was a genuine obstacle in the first film. In the second film, he was basically waiting for them to fail, and then in the third film, he just kind of he's still frustrated with the fact that they're still trying to go on this yeah. journey. Of he's kind of sick of putting up with yeah their quote unquote delusion. Well, it also probably doesn't help that he's extremely old as shit, <laughs> and seeing like and seeing yeah. his granddaughters basically just become female versions to an extent of yeah. their fathers. Yeah, that would be incredibly disappointing. Which is which well which is great too though is uh they are very they are very much, you know, got that Keanu Alex feel, their daughters, but they yeah. are not carbon copies. Like I've yeah. seen people say that they are and it's like did you not listen to how they speak? Yeah, at, at first it seems like they're just doing Bill and Ted impressions. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like okay, how long can this joke last? But yeah. They have their own kind of intellect about them that, that oh yeah they've gotten without their dads or beyond their dads. It's probably from the princesses. They're, yeah, they're, the princesses are supposed to be intelligent <laughs> and very well versed. Yeah, because like they were the they were the best they were the best uh, musicians in the second film. Right. So it's like when you see like their first conversation as like fathers and daughters, they like it's just completely different conversationally <laughs> how they how they talk about music. Yeah, and it feels like, and that feels like they that Matheson and Solomon put effort into showing and making it pretty clear that yes, 
they are Bill and Ted to a point because they live with them and they're their fathers. Yeah. But they're still their own people, and this is how you see it through like yeah. just how that what they wear, how they talk. It's their. I mean, really, their their mannerisms are where the kind of carbon copy part is. Like they yes. act very much like Bill and Ted, but yeah, there's a whole different kind of set of interests and and perspectives under the hood there. Oh yeah, Ted's daughter catches young Keanu in a way <laughs> that I think very few people can, and it's incredible to watch that happen. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, is there anything else you want to say, or do we want to just kind of get to final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's about as much we, as we can say without, you know, because I mean, in our past two episodes, we've gotten a lot more into plot and essentially summarizing the movie beginning yeah. to end which we're gonna talk we're, to we're, we're avoiding doing this time and so that people can have a chance to see it but and um, talking about critical reception how box office was yeah like from what i could find the box the, the box office i think was like a little over a million yeah. like i think i think new mutants was seven million and then right. bill and ted was like a little over a million but at the same time critically yeah. Bill and Ted Face the Music is like getting more positive reviews than Bogus Journey. Mm-hmm. You know, people are loving it more. Like I'm seeing a lot more people on Twitter like talk about like how excited they are for Face the Music than they watch it and they say they loved it. Yeah. Like there's very few people that I'm seeing who are like genuinely pissed at like how Face the Music turned out cuz I think a lot of us are just kind of like yeah, it's 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 a little bit playing it safe. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, I'm just glad that they could make another one. Yeah, and like, they were that's able how to it make feels. it the way you know, they relatively are. they wanted to make it. Yeah, and, and it's and it's the perfect film that if you don't have anything to do over the weekend, you rent it, you watch it with the family, you have a good time. Yeah, and uh, whether it sticks with you or not, just depends on how much you love the series. I, yeah, it's not it's not dethroning the yeah the impact of excellent adventure or even really bogus journey mm-hmm. but it's it's more bill and ted yeah and it's i think more bill and ted well done yeah and i think i could speak for the both of us to an extent where it's like i would rather take face the music a love letter that is very low budget to the standards of blockbusters but has a lot of the passion and the writing and the performances than take like a hundred million dollar kind of like action blockbuster version of this yeah, with Keanu and Alex. Way out. Yeah, but they don't have the they can't like control how the characters go. Yeah. Like this is just a love letter and probably one of the best examples of how to do kind of like a return to form, like eighties mm-hmm. nostalgia sequel without being overly obnoxiously nostalgic of like, hey, remember when we were in the eighties? Yeah. And the nineties? It avoids those were wacky. It successfully like, avoids a lot of traps of kind yes. of legacy property Thank sequels. Goodness that they yeah. do. Like, cause it's one of those things where it's like even the comics couldn't do that. The comics do a great job of like bringing back the nostalgia in a great way, but like it's hard for them not to bring it back because mm. they can do that because they have unlimited resources to make that look like that. Yeah. And with this, they do a great job of like Alex, Keanu, Ed, and Chris were not trying to pander. Yeah. They are the, the references to characters are great. Like yeah. the station reference is all I honestly needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, death is great. The, the, there is a 69 joke per se in this film, and it just like it's not overbearing. It just kind of hit it and hit yeah, you might it's miss way, it. It's definitely more under the radar than yeah. the, the previous movies. The, but the, it's in there. The writing is is original with its jokes most of the time, and does a yeah. really good job. And just it's a fun time. I'm excited yeah. to watch it again. And if it if I ever feel like I'm at a low point in the next few weeks for some reason, I could watch this and feel a bit better. Yeah, definitely. An it's, uplifting. it's it's a nice uplifting film and. 
I would say, yeah, if if you, especially if you love Bill and Ted, I think you're doing yourself yeah. a disservice to give I, it to not give it a watch. I don't think you could enjoy the first two movies and not have a good time yeah. with this. Um, you know, if if you, if you didn't like Bill, the first two Bill and Ted movies, this yeah. one's not going to win you over. But yeah. it's Bill and Ted Face the Music. I guess for my closing statements, is it's probably the sloppiest of the three. It's probably mm-hmm. the most rushed of the three, but it has a wonderful heart. It's a great time. You should definitely watch it if you're a fan. And also, if you're a fan, read the comics. They're also great. Yeah. Uh, and it's, yeah. Yeah. And it's just a worthwhile contrast to a lot of sequels like it that yeah. miss the mark or are too cynical in their approach. And this one isn't. Which we've, just... we've never seen sequels that miss the mark. <laughs> never, ever. There are no big budget films no. that have ever. No. Like, uh, I mean, the dead speak. But let's just leave it at that. <laughs> Oh man, that would I don't know I don't know what I just did there. <laughs> All right, let's talk about uh the reason why we're kind of finishing up a little bit with our act we're talking about face music is because we want to announce our next trilogy. Yeah. Because uh, I guess is how would you rank Bill and Ted for you? Like the films cuz I oh, think rank yeah. the the individuals in order. Because I think um, it's one, two, three. It's literally one, two, three for me with yeah, Excel being the best. It, it probably is one, two, three for me, but um, I would say I would have an easier time watching Face the Music repeatedly than Bogus Journey. Yeah, it's not. Bogus Journey is a lot more, I don't know, creative, ambitious, inventive, mm-hmm. but it's kind of hard to sit through because it drags. It can't, yes, I understand. Um, yeah. Face the Music has almost the opposite problem where it flies through everything it just, but that makes it, just it kind of goes easier. through you yeah to the point where it's like whoa can we maybe take some time yeah. to breathe nope in, we're in, still going in terms of memorability yeah it'd be one two three for me <laughs> <laughs> yeah so now that we've gotten bill and ted out of the way which I'm so glad we started with that trilogy because it's just yeah. a fun trilogy through and through now it's time to get to a trilogy that is not a standard numbered trilogy. Yeah, now it's not your literal, deliberate. Yeah. It's more of a trilogy of our own invention. <laughs> in yes, sense. I guess so. We are doing a trilogy it's inspired by one director in particular. Ugh. His <laughs> a, the early years of this director. Yeah. Because the, a few weeks ago, his latest film just got announced, and it's one of the last things we've. We can't not talk about it yeah. when it comes out next year. So we thought it would be fun, hopefully, to discuss the first three films of director, writer, probably auteur to some people. Visionary. Visionary, Zack Snyder. Yep. We are doing what we call the Rise of Snyder trilogy, <laughs> which comprises of 2004's Dawn of the Dead, his remake of the original George Romero classic, mm-hmm. 2007's 300, which, as far as I remember, is still good, hopefully. At least the action and, is. And then definitely, probably his most divisive film of the three, 2009's Watchmen. Mm-hmm. And uh, and after that, we do have a little snack Snyder. A snack snack. A Snyder snack. <laughs> a Snyder snack. Did you do it first, Snyder snack? <laughs> we, have a, we have a bit of a Snyder snack after Watchmen, but we'll keep that on the low until we get to that point. Yeah. But, uh, we wanted to bring that up because the next film we're doing is going to be 2004's Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, and so, yeah, this will give us a little bit of a, of a, a prep for when Zack Snyder's uh, director's cut of Justice League comes out next, yeah. next year. Because the, the Snyder cut. We are basically planning on doing 
every single one of his films. Yeah, but... over time. <laughs> yeah, like so we'll, 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 we'll do the rise of Snyder, the pre pre DC Comics movies, Zack Snyder, right yeah. in the in the next few weeks, mm-hmm. and then when it gets closer to time for for the Snyder cut of Justice League to come out, we will do his DC films, which with... we we have a different we have a different name for that. We we called it. Henry Cavill's DCU. We, we, yeah. We're, we're taking those because the three Snyder films that are in the DC universe are going to possibly be the only Cavill films as Superman. Yeah, it's possible. So we thought it'd be interesting to not only talk about the messes most of those films are yeah. in terms of how those films are written and directed, but also discuss Cavill's Superman and how he technically evolves from yeah. film to film and yeah. talk about the technique and how much we – how much because we, we, we both love Cavill – and it's hard not to want to add a little bit more mix into those Snyder DC films because we both have seen all those films too many times. Yeah. And I think of and I, I say that I've only only seen Man of Steel twice. Yeah, I was gonna say. But <laughs> yeah. I've only seen B, uh, Batman v Superman once. And oh, that you, was too much. Oh, I can't wait for you to watch the director's cut then. Oh, yay. <laughs> yeah. So it's a lot of Snyder coming down the turnpike. Yes. Especially in We're, September. And I will preface: we are not doing all of Snyder this no. year. We are doing. Uh, the trilogy, and then a little bit of a sneak peek after that, and then we're, we have a Halloween trilogy planned. But we won't talk about that till we get yeah, through. Yeah, you got to stick around. Yes, you got to you got to be loyal. Yeah. And you know what? The, the best part about going into the Snyder trilogy is like, if we hate one of these films, thankfully it's not in an actual series. <laughs> so it's like, oh, I hated this Dawn of the Dead remake. Yeah. But then we're going straight into a completely different film. Yeah, that that'll help a little bit, especially yeah. if you're. Yeah, if you're turned off by one film, we've got a very different film next yeah. and that sort of thing. So hopefully the fatigue, the Snyder fatigue is not mm-hmm. too great. Yeah, so if you're listening to this on, uh, what is what is the date? September 5th. Yeah. September 5th. That's Walt today's Wh- date. Yes, that's, yeah. Why is it so hard for you to remember today's <laughs> date? Yeah, I'm sorry. It's just been a long day already. <laughs> yeah, so if you're listening to this on September 5th, the next... Uh, episode, which will be 2004 Stone of the Dead, will be the 12th, yep. right? Yes. Yep. So we will start the rise of Snyder on September 12th. So uh, yeah. Thanks for sticking with us through Bill and Ted, guys. Absolutely. Thank you so much for just listening to all three, if you're at this point in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, and I hope you enjoy listening to the Snyder trilogy as we go deep dive into early yeah, years we'll dive of into a different galaxy of the odd trilogies universe yes uh but until then i'm logan Sowash. i'm andy carr and thank you so much for listening bye